Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In episode 13 of the NFL Vent Zone, we discuss the struggling Seahawks run game, the Ravens' inability to finish games, Josh Jacobs' big day out, and much, much more. Get involved and get it off your chest. Let's go. And welcome into the NFL Vent Zone, presented by Sport Tank. Ollie Ong, Dan Yates, and Chris Tebbert here, ready to help you through the trials and tribulations that come with supporting a team in the National Football League. Tebbs, I see you smiling. Is it because I said your name right? Or your it name is. Wrong? It's, it's, it, it, do you know what it is? It's, it's, it's because I can literally watch you think about how to say it before you say it. <laughs> that's why. That's why I smile because I can literally go, Chris Teb. But yes, Tebbert, yes, that's correct. I, uh, there was a yeah, there was a there was a very sweet little smile that occurred onto your yeah. face there, and it just yeah. got me. Yeah, I wanted to confirm, but there we're thirteen episodes in now, and uh, I think I'm. To be fair, I'm still only 50-50 sure every time I say it. So maybe <laughs> next week. Maybe. Uh, right, boys. It feels like ages ago that we were podcasting because it was last Wednesday, which was a bit abnormal yeah, for us. That was to do with Thanksgiving and what a slate it was, giving us points galore and three-one score games for the first time. Dan. How was Thanksgiving and I guess the rest of the week for you? Yeah, good. I mean, Thanksgiving is just an excuse for free football for us, isn't it? So um, it was good to get more than one game and at a time that we can actually watch some social midweek football is always appreciated. And even better, they were good games, which, you know, you look at Bill's Lions and you're not necessarily expecting a nail biter, but it ended up being a great game. So hard to complain. Yeah. Judging on, judging on, previous thanksgivings and just constantly seeing the same awful teams over and over again yeah it was a very very uh welcome relief um yeah very good for me as well for similar reasons to what you said there tebs uh anything from you did you enjoy your thanksgiving i did obviously spent watching um the nfl watching cowboys players try and jump into the salvation army bucket i mean <laughs> the whack-a-mole celebration as much as you know football's fun <laughs> and whatever that was a good celebration and i can't even complain with the the Cowboys, it was it was uh, it was a good time, and got to switch between that and um, the other football that we don't talk about on this show. No, we will never ever talk about that. But it should be a good weekend. That's all we say. Uh, right, this is the part of the show where I throw it to Tebs to do what he does best every single week, the MVP of this part of the show. So Tebs, could you please tell the listeners 
what on earth is the vent zone so what is the nfl vent zone obviously it's this podcast but what's it for why why do we have the nfl vent zone or oh, it's for reasons like this someone turns around to you and went oh god the u.s football team put on a good display last night and you went well they're not actually the u.s football team they're just called the patriots and then your friends don't like you anymore because you've just brought American football into a conversation and they're trying to talk about the World Cup and you've just said that. And they're never, they're never going to invite you to anything anymore. So the NFL event zone is here for you to get things off your chest in regards to the NFL. You're so pent up about the New England Patriots that you're going to try and cram it into every conversation. And when the American football team is being as loud as they are, you just... You're bound to slip up. So the NFL event zone is here for you so you can continue your life unimpeded by the stress that the NFL brings you. Too right, too right. We're here for you. And uh, the way that you can get to us is through our email address, nflventzone at gmail.com. There at the bottom of the screen, just under Tebs's chin, if you're watching. Send us, send us your chin. <laughs> like a true O-lineman. Send, yeah, true send that, brother. <laughs> send us your events. Uh, a voice note would be great, but if you don't like the sound of your own voice, then do just send us an email, nfleventzone at gmail.com. Kicking us off this week, we're going straight to Tebs. And you've got to vent about Heineke, who's... I do. I, it's it's won, not... He's won it's his not, last three games. This sounds very much like a Tebs event. It's not so much a vent as it is. It's more so a brag on the play in regards to just myself. <laughs> this is this is me, right? I'm so good at just analysing football that I called this. No one else called it. Oh, Taylor Heineke's back up. No, he comes in, wins games, gets a starting role. Who said that? Me. Who said he was going to beat Eagles? Me. Who said he's the boy? Me. I'm just saying, like, Taylor Heineke, he needs to... I think he needs to send me some money over because I'm his biggest cheerleader over here. I mean, I wish... That the jersey that I have with Heineke saying on it was um, legitimate, but I can't bring myself to do that because I don't support that that team. But you have to say that the 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 story of Taylor Heineke is it's classic football, and that's why I think he just his story is amazing. Obviously, XFL quarterback, XFL folds. He goes back to Old Dominion to study. He gets a call from Washington, almost beats Tom Brady in the playoffs. Fitzpatrick goes down week one. He's the starter for the He's starting for Washington basically the entire season. Comes in, Carson Wentz does Carson Wentz things and is a shithouse and then gets injured. <laughs> Heineke comes in and suddenly every team in the NFC East is now in the, is now in the playoff picture, which wasn't the case when Carson Wentz was on the centre. I'm just saying, Taylor Heineke, I'm not going to leave, I'm not going to end this vent because I'm producing today until both of you turn around and say, Taylor Heineke is the truth. <laughs> Dan, can you do that? <laughs> uh, no, I'm going to throw the, the red challenge back there and point out that uh, they both played six games. Wentz and Heineke played six games each, right? Now, yeah. I know the winning record is much better no, Heineke's the, the, five and one. The, the, Heineke, just let me finish. Heineke's five and one. Wentz is two and four, right? But Heineke's wins. Let's just walk through them. Green Bay, when Aaron Rodgers couldn't throw a pass to anyone not named Jones. The Colts, who, by the way, this season are a tire fire. Um, they lost to Minnesota, did play well. They beat Philly. He played like trash. Um, they beat the Texans, 
I mean, do you want a lollipop for beating the Texans? Everyone beats the Texans this year. And they beat Atlanta, who can't throw the ball to anyone that actually can catch a thing ever. So, like, he's beaten some bad teams. But his completion percentage is worse than Wentz. His yards per attempt is the same as Wentz. He's thrown fewer touchdowns than Wentz. In the same amount of games, he has fewer rushing yards than Wentz. And Wentz lost to Philly, good team. Dallas, great team. Tennessee, good team. So, like, I think if Wentz had played the whole season, their record wouldn't be very different. If Heineke had played the whole season, their record wouldn't be very different. But Heineke's not yeah. a much better quarterback than Wentz. Yeah, but with Wentz, lost to, lost to the Lions. Embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. Titans aren't a good team. Let's just get it out of the way. 27 points against the Lions, let's be clear. Their defence did let them down in that game. Yeah, but... The th- this is the thing, is as far as I'm concerned, for me, your argument lost will seem when you said the winning percentage. I, is there any other stat that matters? Well, yeah, how the quarterback plays is quite no. important. No, there isn't. Because if the 49ers believed only in winning percentage, they would never have drafted Trey Lance. Just look at Zach Wilson as well. Zach Wilson just got benched after going 5-2 and two in his starts. Um I mean, yeah, I but you win. One, no, no, he, he he got benched for being a fucking idiot. There's a difference. Yeah, that's <laughs> one thing I'm that pretty I, sure that's why Wentz got benched as well. Let's be clear. Yeah. Like on the to. topic, on the topic of the Jets, and obviously they've had their new quarterback. That's kind of one of the reasons why I thought that maybe Taylor Heineke could be doing well because he gets the ball to the the weapons better, just like Mike White was doing better than Zach Wilson. So I was looking at um, I was looking at uh. Terry McLaurin's stats and it does look like he's had much better games since uh, taking over from uh, taking over from uh, Matt Ryan and um, not Matt Ryan who am I about Carson Wentz and so maybe it's simply that uh, Taylor Heineke finds ways to get to the get the ball to uh, Terry McLaurin better than Carson Wentz and that's a good way to look make yourself look good and win games so I don't think either of them are great, but I think that uh, it's uh, it's about the little things. Like if you look at Mike White, what he was able to do and actually just use all the weapons that the Jets have, um, maybe that's why Haneke's doing well because he's getting the ball to Terry McLaurin enough. Um, but yeah, the thing I, is, the thing is, just with Mike White, Ma- Mike White did the exact same thing last year. He came and had the game of his life, and then checked it like. I can go like against I don't the Jets. Yeah, but like, who have the Jets got this week? Uh, they've got the um, uh, uh, Vikings. Vikings, yeah. Oh yeah, he's going to lose that regardless. I think even if Zach Wilson was in, he'd shake that. So, all right. Well, this yeah. isn't any Mike White debate. We can talk about that another time. We're going to move on now. We're going to move on to the Ravens. Tebs, there is a uh, graphic to bring up that highlights the issues that we've got from the Ravens. So we've highlighted quite a few points, uh, was got tagged in quite a few points on social media, um, which is another way that you can get your events to us, uh, about the Ravens' inability to close games. And, uh, yeah, Tebs is bringing up a graphic now, which we can see. This shows four games where um, the uh, Ravens have lost from a two-score lead. And what you'll notice about three of them is three of them were a two-score lead in the fourth quarter. So with 12 minutes to go, they were leading 35 to 14 against Miami. 
with um, well, uh, uh, just before half time, they were leading 20 to 3 against Buffalo. Uh, with six minutes to go in the game, they were winning 20 to 10 against the Giants. And just this week, with six minutes to go, they were winning 19 to 10 against the Jacks. So, yeah, Ted, you, you can take that graphic off the screen now. But yeah, they definitely have an ability. Of the, 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 like we've spoken about quite a little bit this season, teams have an ability, have a, it's a skill to be able to win games. And it doesn't seem like they've got that skill at the moment. And I was trying to figure out why. Because, I mean, if you look at the stats, Lamar Jackson only completed 50% of his passes from that game. He had 254 yards and a touchdown. So it's not awful, but obviously, completing 50% isn't great. But it was quite clear because they had a few touchdowns dropped that he is not being helped out by his receivers. So I'm looking at who to blame for this. And I'm actually thinking, surely we should look right at the very top and look at the GM. Because not only did they they lose Rashad Bateman, and now Lamar Jackson has no one to throw to, and he's struggling. And uh, that, has become, that has become a major issue. And not only did they have a, a weak uh, wide receiver room on a year when there was lots of movement, but who did the Baltimore Ravens lose this offseason from the wide receiver room? Hollywood Mar- Brown. Marquise Hollywood Brown, who has gone to Arizona and proven to be a very, very capable wide receiver one, really, in the first six or seven games of the season. So the GM, I don't think, has had a great year because there's a clear issue with Lamar Jackson not having anyone to throw to. And uh, I think they should have protected themselves a little bit better against that uh, than only having Rashad Bateman. So, Dan, what do you have to say about the um, about the Ravens so far this year, and particularly this issue? Uh, I agree that the team are letting Lamar down a little bit. I do think he hasn't played very well when they've been ahead, and the stats bear that out. So, when he's been ahead in games, his completion percentage is less than sixty percent. When they've been behind or tied, it's almost seventy. Now, that's quite a big difference when you're ahead versus when you're behind. He has an 85 passer rating when they're ahead in games and almost 100 when they're behind or tied. And this is in roughly the same number of completions. He gets sacked on 9% of plays when they're ahead. And when they're behind or tied, it's 4%. So Lamar's also not helping them, right? And I think a lot of it is he feels when they're ahead that he can be a bit more fast and loose and he doesn't have to be as conservative, he can he can let it fly a bit more, and it's not helping them win games. But is that, is as it, well as it, that, they don't have a run game, which is a yeah. real real problem. In the four losses that they've had, he's been their leading rusher in three of them. In the seven wins that they've had, he's been their leading rusher in one. So, like, yes, he's a great running quarterback, but it's not helping them win games. They can't close out games with him running the ball twenty times. It doesn't work. And they don't have enough of a normal run game to help support them. Yeah, they, well, they've got. They might have J.K. Dobbins coming back now, which would help. But yeah, they they've always been this weird team who have a kind of a, a committee of different running backs who all have a lot of potential, but all just seem to get injured. I mean, you got Gus Edwards. I think everyone would argue that he's a solid to probably above average running back who just can, who can grind out yards. But again, health issues. J.K. Dobbins is talented, but health issues. Uh, Justice Hill came in with a lot of hype. Not really seen anything from him. Kenyon Drake, he's... He, see, Kenyon Drake's actually exploded for a couple of really strong games when the others have been out. Why do they... Kenyon Drake, you know, when he played for Miami, he was, like, good for uh, good for us. That was when Miami had, like, an O-line that was made out of cheese, you know. It's not... <laughs> it's like, Kenyon Drake's good. For for my taste, like, the, the, the Ravens have 
sort of consistently over the last few seasons had a very poor rider wide receiver room because they can just go well well if the play breaks down just yeah you can run it and it's starting to think that it's becoming a bit of a conspiracy obviously Lamar's in a contract year worse he does cheaper he is I'm just saying yeah because it started this the, the year started out with everyone thinking that he's just going to get the biggest contract that's ever been seen. And he probably still will, because you really yeah, find him will, yeah. in this position. <laughs> um, I think that is quite a conspiracy. That is def- hopefully is a conspiracy theory and nothing more than that, because uh, it would seem very detrimental to waste another year where you've got a good team. Um, but yeah, re- relying on Mark Andrews alone is not enough. And uh, we know how easily people can get injured in this league. And in a year when there was so much movement at the wide receiver position, including sending away Marquise Brown, I think that the some questions should be posed to the general manager there because I think he's let the team down a bit. Uh, like, right. Really, really, they could have just got Kadarius Tony for a fifth. Yeah, but he like, would have been he would have been injured. He would have been injured the whole time anyway. It was only a few weeks ago we we're talking about what what a move that was for the Chiefs, and I don't think he'll play again now until uh, like the week sixteen or seventeen, uh, and then he'll probably just get injured again. Uh, that nice. is enough of that, though, boys. That is enough of that. I think that's a really interesting one to follow, though. So we'll see how that ends up for them. Um, right, we've, we've got a we've got a vent from a fan that we're going to play now about the uh, the New Orleans Saints. Hey, lads, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, so unsurprisingly, I'm keen to vent about the state of our organisation at the moment. We are currently sat in bottom place in the NFC South a division where even the number one ranked team has a losing record. Not ideal. We've traded away our first round pick in the upcoming draft. We've traded away one of our better defensive turnover specialists in CJ Gardner-Johnson for effectively nothing. And we're now in a position where we're going to get have to get rid of even more of our big name players like Alvin Kamara, Marshall Lathmore, Cam Jordan, maybe even Michael Thomas if he ever gets fit to have any chance of success over the upcoming decade. Mickey Loomis has had enough fun playing the salary cap games over the last couple of years. It's time for him to step aside. Otherwise, the foreseeable future, it is a return to the old school New Orleans Aints. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. This is coming from my mate Pete, who I've known for a long time, and he's pretty upset about this, to be honest, as a New Orleans Saints fan, because they're in a horrible place as a franchise. I mean, let's look at the salary cap that he's talking about there. Next year, per over the cap, they're projected to be 54 million over the cap right now. And that is including only $5 million in dead money. So it's not like this is paying players that aren't on their team anymore. That is all going to their top 51 players. And they don't really have a way of getting out of it. I had a look at over the cap earlier and studied it. If they cut everyone that would save them over a million dollars in cap room, if they cut them, that would be James Winston, 4.4. Mike Thomas would save 2.8 million, although he's still due to make 29 million next year to not pay for them. Will Lutz, their kicker, he's going to get cut because if they cut him, they save $4 million in cash. So goodbye, Will Lutz. They're going to draft a new kicker. Um, some defensive end called Carl Granderson, who's played under 30% of their snaps this year. What about Taysom Hill? On the season. He's what getting cut because that's going to save 4 million. Jeez. They can't cut Taysom Hill, won't save them anything. But if they really? cut everyone that's going to save them more than a million dollars, they're going to save $16 million. So they've got to find from somewhere another $38 million. Yeah. This is a disaster for them. And they also don't have a first-round pick. 
They don't have a sixth round pick because they traded them away. They don't have extra picks in rounds two or three or four. So overall, they have six picks in the draft. They have 36 million to find by restructuring from somewhere. And their um, head coach is a disaster. So much so that Sean Payton doesn't actually want to coach their team anymore because he knows that it's in a shit place. I agree that Mickey Loomis is done. I like Unless he gets a massive trade for somebody, and I can't see that coming, apart from he might get a first for Sean Payton, I don't know how they rebuild this. This is a four or five year rebuild project, and it's it's nasty. What do you what think, Tabs? What would you do, Tabs? <laughs> Honestly, shambolic. Absolutely shambolic. If you're playing Madden and your team ended up looking like how the Saints are looking, you would be fired. In fact, the game would shut down. The disc could spit out of your gaming console. Uh, it'd be on fire, and you'd be you're not ever allowed to play it again. You're not allowed. You you can't do it. You know they're in a they're in a bad place. But this is what I mean in the sense of as I touched on last week. There's a lot of teams that are just under the radar sucking. But <laughs> I think it's because like the like the Texans being bad is funny. And the Steelers being bad is funny, and the Raiders being bad is funny. The Saints being bad is just quite sad. It's just, it's just like, oh, oh, they were good. They were good like two years ago. But then, but obviously, if you have like the Steelers, like I can see how they're going to get out of it. Yeah, I don't yes. have any idea how the Saints are getting out of this hole. Become yeah. an XFL team. There you go. <laughs> I think I'm trying to look at the positives here, and I guess there are one. There's one positive you can look at this year, and that is, yes, they're in last place in their division. And yes, it's a bad thing to be last place in a division where the leader has got a negative record. But at least it gives them a chance of uh, of um, making an impact within the group. I don't think that's going to happen, though. Um, and I was, I, the, the contract that always confused me was um, Taysom Hill. Because I remember it was like probably two or three years ago that um, he got given a massive contract. And I remember at the time, like football football analysts at the time were saying, look, this is, this the Saints are struggling. And this was like two years ago. And it's not changed. The story is the same now. But I think Taysom Hill's contract this year was uh, is guaranteed 9.9 million, I believe. And that's over the yearly average for Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, James Connor, Leonard, Leonard Fournette. And these these players contribute a lot to their team so kind of going on for what you were saying there dan like the real issue with them and why they're all fucked is because they've paid these massive contracts to people that don't even have much of an impact on the game i mean like you said the defensive end none of us had even recognized him he was a big he was a big cap here so yeah i mean i don't think our venter is going to feel much better after listening to this but i think we all agree that it's just a weird, perplexing situation. Hey, at least well, the larvae looks the, good. <laughs> the, the thing is, um, they I think they gave Taysom Hill that big contract, right? Because they were hoping that the ability to clone people would have been invented by 2022. So they could just clone Taysom Hill, only have to pay him once, but he can play quarterback, receiver, tight end, kicker, safety, linebacker, D-end, left guard. He can do yeah. all of that. I don't have to pay him once, but unfortunately for the Saints, that's not happened. That's not happened for him. No, and I would love to give Pete some good news about the Saints, but even looking at Michael Thomas's contract, next year he's a 28 million cap hit. The year after he's a 27 and a half million cap hit. The year after that he's a six million cap hit. The guy's never going to play another snap. 
like the best thing that can happen for this team is he decides to retire because then his contract's null and void and they can get it off the books. And they can't, they can't they cut can't... him and they can't trade him. Jesus. Well, on that very, <laughs> very, on that very sorry note, we're going to move sorry, on. Sorry, Pete. Sorry, Pete, but thanks for the event. If you're like Pete and uh, you're just uh, perplexed by your team and frustrated no end, then uh, you know what to do. Send us a vent at nflventzone at gmail.com. We want to get your events on the show and we'll try and make you feel better about them. We'll probably fail just like we did there. But we do try and look at the positive side or, like Dan, just drive it in deeper and really twist the knife. But, hey, that's what the vent zone is all about and we all get some kind of sick enjoyment about venting about our teams, don't we, Tebs especially. Um, but <laughs> that's what you need to do. Send us your events at nflventzone at gmail.com. Uh, the other good news is, boys, as we're moving into December, that means we're feeling festive generous and we're doing another giveaway we're giving away another nfl cap of your choice this time the competition or giveaway or whatever you want to call it is running for the whole of december so you have all of december to enter um you can uh, you can do in order to enter all you have to do is send us event nflventzone at gmail.com if you send us an event you'll be entered into the draw to win a cap of your choice if you go back for our social media you'll see our previous winner christian uh, with his uh, Miami Dolphins cap. I promise there was no bias involved in the selection there. It was random. It was nothing to do with the fact that Tebs is a diehard, uh, is a diehard Dolphins fan. Um, but yeah, that's all you need to know for now. Enter the competition. Send us vents. It's all good fun. We, we, we love it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Uh, right, we're going to move on. Where are we going next? The sea chickens. <laughs> Let's see, chickens. Right, Dan, take us away. Thanks mate. for that. Yeah, so my event this week comes as a fan. I'm a big fan of the Seahawks, have been for a very long time. Expected us to be bad this year. We weren't quite as bad as I thought we were going to be, which was nice for the early part of the season, but we were just good enough for just long enough to get some hopes up. And as every fan knows, being bad isn't what kills you. It's the hope that kills you. If you know you're going to be bad and you're bad, that's fine. If you think you're going to be good and you're bad, that hurts. And the reason we're bad is so anti-Pete Carroll, it's insane. Like, Pete Carroll stands for defense, run the ball. Quarterback, don't fuck it up. That's about it. But defense and run the ball. We lost to the Bucks and we lost to the Raiders because we can't stop the run and we can't run the ball. In those two games combined, um, Kenneth Walker, who is amazing, has gone for... 36 yards, 36 yards. 
And the problem is that that's at 1.7 yards per rush. 1.7. And his average yards before contact is 0.2. I'm just going to say that again. Average yards before contact on a running back, 0.2. Like, what are we doing? In those two games, he's run in the interior of the, the right-hand side of the interior of our line five times for negative 17 yards. Like, I don't care who you've got a running back. You could have Bo Jackson a running back. You could have Marshall Lynch a running back. You could have, you know, Peterson his prime. You're getting nothing if you're getting hit in the backfield every time you try and run towards your right guard. That's a disaster. But at least we can stop the run, I hear you say. At least we can stop the run. Unless, you know... Josh Jacobs fancies a 300-yard day and an 81-yard walk-off touchdown in overtime. <sighs> Honestly, I'm I'm so frustrated because I thought it was going to be great and it isn't, and it's terrible in both directions, and I see no hope of how it's getting better. We can't block, we can't tackle, we can't stop the run. I'm I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. Tebs, give me some good news. Is this going to get better for me? I think you're looking at this from a far too narrow perspective, my friend. <laughs> I think you're looking, oh, well, you've got to embrace the fact that your team was supposed to suck. Be happy with what you've got. And also, you've got that shining beacon, that shining beacon that only gets brighter in your life as a Seahawks fan. Sure. And that is some of those dis- delicious, delectable Denver Broncos draft picks, which are getting mm. ever more tasty by true. the by the week. You know, this like this was never going to be a Super Bowl season for the Seahawks. But you have to look at, the, as far as I'm concerned, you have to look at the future because the future for Seattle is 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 the sun. It's brighter than the sun. You've got you've got your draft picks. You've got draft picks of a team that is doing so bad that it's almost unimaginable. Like this. How many weeks is left of the season? Not that many, unfortunately. But as soon as soon as that week hits, whether you, hopefully you might be in the playoffs, you know, still a good side. But be nice. when the season ends for Seattle, as far as I'm concerned, it, the only way is up. You you're like how bad this season may go for Seattle, like it can only get much much better. Well, think about think about as well. It's not just. The uh, the potential draft picks to come. It's also the fact that you've got the best rookie class this year, or at least right up there with one of the best. Um, and I guess I completely agree with actually where Tebbs is coming from there, because yes, it's frustrating because you had the hope, but coming into the season, it wasn't. There was no hope. There was absolutely no That's hope. True. It's not like you've. It's not like you've kind of outdone your expectations. It's like you've absolutely jumped into a whole new stratosphere that was completely unimaginable at the, at the beginning of the year. Um, so, like, yeah. What was, what, was it, what was it that Judo Smith said? They wrote us off, but I didn't write back. Like, come on. <laughs> that's like, quote of the year, by the way. That's amazing. Like, like, like that, as far as I was like, that's enough. Like, the Seahawks are have done spectacularly well. And Gino Smith may, may have a starting job next year. I mean, I imagine they'll probably bring in a rookie, but I hope they'll so. probably have him mentor like drew locks cooks he's have fun in the xfl drew you know Um, let's put it this way when denver give us the second overall pick in the draft i would expect us to either get the best pass rusher out there because the number one overall pick is going to be a qb or the qb of our choice that you should get like seattle like 
are a, a very very good franchise then they they don't plan on being i mean nobody plans on being having a top three pick but seattle are not the team not a team that are up there very often if you have the second overall pick surely surely you use that opportunity to get because it's a good qb class this year there's a good i actually think what they'll do is what schneider always does which is trade down get more picks spend them on everything that isn't a quarterback because we need interior line we need defensive line we need DB. And we've got 55 million in cap space already next year. So we're in a good spot, but that doesn't stop it being frustrating when you see Josh Jacobs go for six yards, six yards, seven yards, 80 yards, six yards, seven yards, 80 yards. Yeah. I mean, he is amazing. We were, we're about to talk about him in a second. Um, I Yeah. <clears throat> the whole The whole issue of Kenneth Walker dropping off was a really, really weird one because he is probably the leading candidate for offensive rookie of the year. He's he's got nine touchdowns. The next closest is seven, which is Christian Watson, who seems like he's scored them all in just what four weeks? Yeah. And then three weeks. And yeah. Three weeks. And then you've got Brees Hall with five, which again, is that not just isn't that just heartbreaking that his season was cut short. He was already on five and he split duties with uh, Michael Carter at the beginning of the year. So yeah, he's he's out there on his own at the moment. Um but for him to struggle against the Buccaneers, that was understandable. For him to struggle the way he did against the Raiders, I mean, nobody saw that coming. So I looked up Football Outsiders. The Seattle Seahawks offensive line is ranked 31 or dead last, uh, dead last for run blocking. Um, and backed up by the stat that you just had there, Dan. I, I, I looked it up. I couldn't find that, that number because I wanted to know. But you found it there. 0.2 yards before like with before contact is arrives and that is impossible for anyone to do well so i was questioning One thing i will say to defend him and to defend our line he faced an eight-man box 46 percent of the time in the last two years <clears throat> God, that sick. is hard to run on yeah that is, that and is that's, very hard it's surprising when you've got when you've got um and granted gino's back there but you when you've got lockett and metcalf to defend against that is that's surprising um yep. But yeah, we yeah, we interested to see how that goes. Um I don't think it's I think it's fair to say that we'll let him off. He's not hitting a rookie wall. He's uh, just got a real uphill battle every single time he handles the ball. Uh but let, let's flip over to the other side of the ball because it's my turn it's my time uh to brag because I'm I so want, glad we've got him here. So I want to listen to this for five minutes. <laughs> I want to talk about Josh Jacobs because how often do you see a player go for 300 yards total? Not very often. 229 rushing yards, including that 80-plus yard walk-off touchdown in overtime. 74 receiving yards as well on, I think it was six catches. That is amazing. And now the interesting thing about this story is obviously that the Josh, Josh uh, the Raiders did not pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option. So, which you do quite often see, you know, with team players that are in a contract year they just seem to bring out this whole level of play that you didn't see before and then they revert back to kind of being just solid the next year but what we've seen from Josh Jacobs this year has been incredible he has already surpassed his best for rushing yards in a season and there's six games to go he's on 1159 at the moment that's already beaten his best from the previous three years he's only 24 yards short of his best receiving effort as well again we've got six weeks to go still he is being treated like a bell cow running back for the first time in his career. And it is 
incredible. I own him in fantasy. I have watched all of the games. He is elite. Tevs, is he the best running back in the league this year? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, it is actually. That is a good question. Good me. Good for yeah, me. Yeah, good question. Um, it's for me. It was just more so just the, the the argument has to be put out there just because of how embarrassing. Sorry, Dan, but as I said, I've I've come, I've come to watch. Um, I've come to watch uh, as I call them the shithouse games of the week, <laughs> and they seem to always involve the Raiders. Um, so I watched it, and that walk off touchdown, oh, rough, rough, bad, embarrassing. Yeah, glad I stayed up till one thirty in the morning to watch that. Yeah, and he had a dodgy yeah. calf as well. He'd he he he'd spent the last like drive or last four minutes of uh, the game on the sideline because he's got a slightly dodgy calf. And he was untouched. Eighty-one he yards untouched. He was untouched. Yeah. Was, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's it's more so. I don't want to give the Raiders any credit. They're they're not a good squad. They're not a good squadron. Oh, look, look at this. What? Look at this comment. Paul Paul Mowbray, and I'll say in one word, Raiders. Now, this is the thing, and I get to bring this up now because Paul's comments, I'm not sure if Paul's still watching. Paul said to me at the start of the season that the Raiders were going to make the Super Bowl. And I told him, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. And every week, up until they started really sucking, he would message me, oh, we'll get him, we'll get him. Raiders, Raiders, Raiders. Wrong. Poor squadron. Um, It's nice to see that there is someone out there who is going to be that flag bearer for the Raiders going forward because realistically it's not going to be Derek Carr for the foreseeable future but it's nice to know they have got someone there to make an impact with going forward um, if he stays but... as he's, as oh, yeah, it, oh yeah because it's it's a contract oh he's gone he's cooked he's, he's gone go. he's gone he's going somewhere else <laughs> yeah I mean Dan, do you think again it's quite difficult it's, it's tricky to say just like off the cuff without actually properly looking into it in the numbers. Best running back in the league this year. I mean, obviously, who else are you looking at? You're looking at Derek... Uh, Derek Carr. Nick Chubb. Um, Nick Chubb, that's what I was going to yeah. say. Uh, Derek, Henry. Derek Henry. Um, no. Austin so for me, and no. using the numbers here, I'm going to go with he's not close. He's not close to the best running back in the league this year. He has the best opportunity. Because if you think Raiders, what a defensive want to stop? They want to stop Devontae Adams, right? When they had him, they wanted to stop Darren Waller. They wanted to stop Hunter Renfro, third and Renfro. They're both injured at the moment, <laughs> but Adams is still the key, right? This season, Josh Jacobs is facing an eight-man box 18% of the time. Nick Chubb is facing one 33% of the time. And yet they, you know, on a yards per, per rush basis, they're not that dissimilar. Yeah, he beat the Bucks as well last week. Like you know, he he was a very very critical factor as to why they beat the Buccaneers last week. And the Buccaneers have, for the last few years, or at least this year and last year, been known for having one of the best run defenses in the league. And Nick Chubb put the team on his back and won the game for them. So I back you on that one hundred percent. Yeah, I think I think I put Nick Chubb above him this year. I put ETN for the Jags above him this year. He's been phenomenal, yeah. and Tony Pollard. Pollard for the Cowboys. Oh, he yeah. Needs, yeah he just needs Pollard. more touches. That kid's phenomenal. Um, I pray that he leaves. I pr- I just, I honestly, I beg him to not stay at the Cowboys. I just think that'd be hilarious after they kind of refuse to get Zeke out of the lineup, even though Zeke has actually played all right the last couple of weeks. He's been fine. He's been fine. Yeah, the only reason why he's been playing well is because he knows that Troy Pollard is literally on his heels. 
Yeah. But you know, Jerry, like Jerry Jones will give him if it's up to him, he wouldn't pay he pay him in hot dogs and handshakes, you know. So yeah, but Jerry Jones has been burnt, hasn't he, by paying a paying a running back a massive contract. He doesn't want to do it again. Uh, but there was yeah. a game, obviously, just a couple of weeks ago when he uh, Pollard had three receiving touchdowns, and it Zeke's not doing that, mate. Zeke is not doing that. So let's uh, get Pollard in the game more. Um, I also think just on, on Jacobs, one one more thing. Um, head coach obviously is Josh McDaniel. When he was with or Josh McDaniels, when he was with the Patriots, their run game was phenomenal. And they had a bunch of nobodies at running back, right? He's very, very good at creating those mismatches. And I think that's what we're seeing with Jacobs a lot this year. Not yeah. that he isn't a very good back, but he's not in the top five. His opportunity is just great. And he's got a great scheme behind him, He's in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's being used as a receiver a lot more than he has done in the past. And I guess one of the things he has in his uh, corner is the size like when you watch him run i mean it's sad it's just cliche to say it now but like he runs angry and he does like people do bounce off him and like that is just a skill that well not i mean it's not a skill it's an attribute that we're not that that is that puts him on a uh gives him a leg up like on everyone else straight away uh and to see him like you being used the way he is uh in the rushing game and the receiving game is brilliant uh but that's enough about josh jacobs we're gonna. Dan's happy now. We've spoken. We, you can. You can. Uh, you can breathe easy now, Dan. We're not going to talk about the Seahawks or Josh Jacobs running for Good. 229 yards um, until this week when the Seahawks lose to the Rams. Uh, we're going to move on. <laughs> we're going to move on to. Uh, we're going to. We've got another brag. We've got another brag. Um, now we're going to talk about da- uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now, Dan, I know that you, you in particular, have got quite a lot you want to say about this because this is uh, you. You actually want to have a bit of a brag. Um, are you happy for me to throw this over to you now, and you can talk about your man, uh, Trevor? Yes, a hundred percent. Right. So, as people may know, listening and watching this, I write an article every week called "The Breakdown Full Sport Tank," where I look at one game and break it down using the All Twenty Two film. And I did the Chargers and the Jags game earlier in the year of Jags one. And I said, Trevor Lawrence is coming into his own. This guy's going to be top five QB by the end of the year. And I really said he was going to do well. Since then, been a bit rough and everyone's let me know about it. I've received a lot of shit about that take. Going, look at him, look how bad he is. He's going to be a bust. Zach Wilson's better, blah, 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 blah. I want all of you to go and watch the last drive against the Ravens, right? He went nine of 10 to 93 yards and a touchdown and a two point conversion. And these weren't like five yards and then some run after the catch. These were phenomenal 25, 35 yard out route throws into tight windows. And every single one of them, if you watch the TV copy of that game, the commentator is like, wow, that throw was special. And all of the guys he hits are covered. All of them. I think there's a 25 or 35 yard out down the sideline and Marcus Peters is in coverage and he is in good coverage. Like he is under the route. He is in the guy's back hip and Lawrence fires it in there. And you can just see the look on Marcus Peters' face like, I just didn't expect him to throw it. And I didn't expect him to get it past me. He turned around <laughs> and the ball was gone. Like I'm in good coverage and he fit the ball in the window. The arm talent on this guy is 
unbelievable. It's right up there with Justin Herbert as the best thrower, outright thrower in the NFL. What he's lacked to this point, and I blame it entirely on Urban Meyer, is confidence. And on Sunday, he looked like he believed he was the number one pick and the most talented quarterback in the NFL. And he acted like it, throwing to a bunch of, let's be honest, nobodies, because his receiving mm. core aren't special. Mm. They're not special. They are bang average at best in the NFL. And he looked special throwing to them on Sunday. And I think the reason they went for it on the two-point conversion is because Peterson wanted to say to Lawrence, I believe in you. I know you can do this. So I think that's why he went for it. And he did it and he won the game. And I'm telling you, if he keeps up this level of confidence, we are looking at a top five QB for the next 10 years in the NFL. He's that good. And that's what he was built to be as well. That is what he was built to be. Uh, Tebs, before I crack on with what I uh, want to say, is there anything you want to talk about um, with uh, Trevor Lawrence? Yeah, realistically, like I do agree. I said that I thought that the Jags would be a lot better than they are this season. And I don't think it's one of those things where it's a lost season. Obviously, the turmoil with the head coaches last year with Urban Myers doing maybe one of the worst jobs in the history of human civilization, not just in the realm of American football coaching, but just one of the worst jobs. One of the worst jobs. Doug Peterson is, he is a great head coach. And as far as I'm concerned, like, the Jags, they are building. There seems to be a slow rebuild, but they're going to get better year on year. There's nothing else to really say. Trevor Lawrence is, he was picked for a reason and it was a good pick. And then you look at everyone else that they've got. Obviously, they spent a bit too, As again, I can't say because, you know, I'm not a general manager of a team. I think they spent a bit too much in the offseason, personally, um, for what they got. Um, but I think it's a team that's going to continue to do well. And Trevor Lawrence will be one of the, the key aspect of that. Yeah, and I think the key thing is like we've both both of you have spoken about how the supporting cast around him isn't that isn't like the best. Um, obviously, Christian Kirk is a talented receiver, and uh, he is he's had a good season. But what do good quarterbacks do? Like the key thing with good quarterbacks is that they make their playmakers better. They make them look better than they actually are, or they give them better opportunities. Um, and when you look at Lawrence, he. He, he turned Zay Jones into a 145-yard receiver against the Baltimore defense, who are a, good, who are, who are, who are a solid defense. Jermichael Hasty had five catches for 67 yards and a touchdown. Christian Kirk had a good game. Kirk Agnew, Marvin Jones all contributed with at least three catches. It's not a star-studded wide receiver group, but Lawrence's ability, and he was class. You're right, Dan, that last drive, and in fact, just the last quarter, I mean, the last quarter, there were some amazing throws. There was a fourth and eight that he threw to Zay Jones in the fourth quarter that was just unbelievable. If you've not seen it, go and watch the highlights. Watch that last quarter. It's amazing. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to say on this particular story, it was actually something I heard this week. I don't know if you boys might have seen it, but uh, it's been reported around social media. And one of the biggest things that have come out from the Dolphins camp is that um, Tua Tagovailoa. He, one of the things that he said he likes so much about Mike McDaniels, Mike McDaniels, he's given him so much confidence. Said, like with Flores or with previous regime, he really struggled for confidence, and he was really looking in a mirror and like doubting himself. Mike McDaniel comes in, and he sent to her a clip of like a video of like his 700 best throws, and just said, "You're amazing. Like you are quality." And now Tua has that confidence, and you. <laughs> 
like Tua is now up there as people are some people are saying that he's an MVP candidate. So going no, back, to what yeah, going back to what you're saying there, Dan, confidence makes a massive difference. And if you look at both of these quarterbacks, um, who Tua had last year, like Flores obviously got fired. Uh, Urban Meyer was an absolute car crash. Both of them have got new coaches, and and we're, we're, I guess what we're all saying here is they both look like they've got much more confidence, and it is turning into much better play. So I think that the, they're it's, both on a very upward trajectory. It's 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 strange that you say that because um, it actually harkens back to last year where the Dolphins played the Jags, and the que- uh, a question that I actually got to ask to a Tagovailoa in, in person when well, I met him in person. I've met him in person, everyone. <laughs> um, I actually asked. I, I asked him, like, what advice would you give to Trevor Lawrence? Obviously, both of them had quite tumultuous seasons, all their first seasons. Um, and you know, Tua did say, you know, you've got to sort of learn how to win. And I think that I, I believe that confidence is a key part of that. So, I did get. To, I did get to drop that I have uh, met Tua, <laughs> but I also got. But I also got to do it in. Uh, a way that makes sense for the show. So, oh, yeah, wow. that's that amazing. And uh, Dan, you managed to uh, get in, get in your little victory lap about uh, about about um, Trevor Lawrence. So everyone's happy. We're all happy. Yeah, I just one more absolutely ridiculous stat. Um, the Jags have been seven points or more behind in the final minute of regulation, 184 times in their history. Prior to Sunday, they were 0 and 183. This is the only time in 184 games that they've won being seven points or more behind in regulation. He's going and to the Hall of Fame. Ten phenomenal to... throws. He's good. To... Yeah, it really was good. Uh, so I... what, if he was on your 49ers, you'd be hands down the Super Bowl favourites this year. They say that about a lot of teams. You could stick him on a lot of teams and it would be say, put him on the Jets. But it would and... be scary. Like this is this is Mike Florio from Pro Football Talk has this thing about like more QBs should refuse to play where they're drafted because it makes such a big difference. Yeah. And this is a key example of that. Like if he was on a semi-decent team, he would be amazing. That's a really interesting Unfortunately, idea. he ended up in the Jags and got the worst head coach we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. Yeah. We, look, we've got to move on. Um, that is actually a very, very interesting point, though, that we should discuss another time about players just refusing because I think Eli Manning did that didn't he um and mm-hmm. then we had a swap with Philip Rivers I think. Right yeah, yeah. did exactly um but we're going to talk about that another time boys because we want to get out of here um we've got one thing to look at before we do that we're gonna we got we're gonna look at our locks uh so if you could kindly bring up the uh, <laughs> uh the infamous graphic in fact Tebsy, can you show us last week's locks first um if you don't mind, if you bring up onto the screen, we'll go around. Yeah, so this is who we locked up last week. We because we don't want to be too long on this because we all like to ramble on a bit too much. But let's very quickly go through. Uh, I would just say I t- locked up the Buccaneers. It was a disaster in the end because they lost to the Browns. No one saw that coming. I thought it was a safe, safe as houses because the uh, Rashad White was going to run like crazy. He didn't. I lost. Tebs, talk me through your, talk me through your, uh, your one. So I picked the Seahawks and it was a disaster. Um, nobody saw it coming. Um, uh, Kenneth Walker was supposed to run for a thousand yeah. yards. Didn't happen. Went to overtime. Josh Jacobs with a dodgy calf ran it down the Seahawks' throat. All in all, not very happy. Dan? I picked the Chargers. 
Uh, second time in two weeks that I've just about managed to squeak a win, but I've still got every lock of the week right so far. So thank you, Chargers. I'll check you out. But yeah, so Teb, you and me, Tebs, we had a very similar experience. I mean, you would have thought locking up against the Browns and locking up against the Sea uh, the Raiders was a safe, safe thing, but it didn't turn out that way. Now bring up the next graphic. Now, for those that are listening and that have listened to us before, you'll know you'll know of a certain producer cash. Uh, he normally uh, babysits us while we're on air and makes sure we don't say anything stupid or go on too long. He has also made this graphic for us. He can't be here today, so he can't defend himself. So we're going to go we're going to go all in on him because if you're watching, you can see a graphic that details our locks this week. Or does it? There's a something wrong, unfortunately, with every single thing here. So we'll go through it one by one. First of all, I wish my record was 2-0, but as we've just discussed, the Buccaneers lost last week. I am 1-1. One one. I did, however, though, lock up the Bills. I think the Bills are going to beat the uh, Patriots tonight. So that's what's wrong with mine. Tebs, let's move on to you, please. See, it's strange because it looks like there that the logo that I've chosen is the Seahawks again. However, when Cash asked me so politely, Chris, what do you want for your lock of the week this week? My response was not Seattle. My response was Tampa Bay. <laughs> because Tampa Bay have got the Saints. Um, and yeah, I've, I've already got to explain it. Saints are bad. Tampa Bay are... Actually, the reason why I picked this is because it's really funny because I think Tom Brady may lose this because he always loses against the Saints in the regular season. So they do, Yeah, that's why I went nowhere near this game because I actually pick in the Saints to win. But that's enough from you, Tebs. Dan, what's wrong with your graphic? Well, my graphic correctly says that I'm leading and I'm the only person that's 2-0. But it does incorrectly say that I've locked the Patriots this week, when in actual fact I've locked against the Patriots and locked up the Bills for Thursday Night Football. Okay, okay. Because okay. the Patriots are a bad team and the Bills are a good team. And that's about as much analysis as that means. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's a solid analysis. So, Dan and Ollie locking up the Bills tonight against the Patriots. Tebs, for some reason, didn't learn from my mistake last week. Locking up the Buccaneers against the Saints. That is that that that's where we stood. Everyone laugh at Chris. He that's because you don't take risks like I do. That's the difference. I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, right. That'll do us though. That'll do us. Uh, no. No, it won't. No, it won't. It won't. Okay. Because uh, we need to discuss something. Because there's a matchup happening at the weekend, Ollie. There's a matchup oh. between two squads. One squad who's really good. One squad who's dog shit and should fold. <laughs> and fold into the fucking San Francisco Bay. That's where they should fucking fold. Melt Levi Stadium down. Put it in the bin. That's where it belongs. San Francisco at Dolphins. No, Dolphins at San Francisco. Um, your team shit, by the way. Stop supporting them. Okay. Uh, there you go. Sorry about that. Uh, it... it... See, I, I don't want to lose another pizza, but I feel like we've got to put something on this. Um, are you ready for pizza bet round two? Or do you want to do it for something else? <laughs> uh, something else, mate. I've had enough. I've had enough. Right, well, <laughs> let's, pizza. let's not figure this out on air, but we'll come up with something. But yeah, 49ers versus Miami. Absolutely um, the biggest game, I think, of the 49ers season this year. It's the one that, you know, yes, one of the best best uh, opponents that we played against all year. There's also. The I wish I could say the same. I wish the Dolphins could say the same, but I can't say it. The, uh, there's also the, the old thing about the uh, the Dolphins having, you know, they're basically the uh, AFC version of the uh, 49ers. Um, yes, with, except uh, we're good. Daniel, the two running yeah. backs, Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Um, Trent, you, 
they got Trent Sherfield as well. He was a, he yeah. was forty nine as last yeah. year. Go I've on. got to say this, Tevs. I haven't I haven't actually told you this yet, and you're probably not going to believe me. But uh, the four, the the Dolphins were at one point. Well, they are my favourite team in the AFC. And when I first got into American football, I uh, adopted the 49ers, But I was like. I went to see the Dolphins at Wembley and I was like, they're definitely my firm favourite second team. And if I have a team to root for in the AFC, it's the Dolphins. And at the time, they were dog shit. And I only support them because I really like their unis. Um, and honestly, the fact that you've said that is one of the biggest insults you could ever say to a Dolphins fan. Because people who turn around go, oh, I like the colour scheme. Genuinely, don't ever talk to me again. Don't breathe I... in my airspace. It makes me ill when people say that. Oh, I like that. No. <laughs> No, and I saw, and I saw if I was against the Raiders. So for me, it was like, yeah, the Dolphins are going to be my. Yeah. Hang on, you looked at the Dolphins Raiders game and went, "Oh, the nicest unis on show are the Dolphins." I did. What's yeah. wrong with you? It's better than the Raiders. It's better than the Raiders, Dan. No, not having that. Dan is literally sat in a uh, silver and black, granted for London Blitz, but he is repping the silver and black colours. It's, um, it's actually navy, but it's actually navy. My just like is so bad that you can't America. see. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, boys, we're four minutes to nine o'clock, which means we're four minutes away from my bedtime, so we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, unless there's anything else to say, boys, let's leave it there. As you, as we've said countless times throughout the podcast, to send your events to us, it is nflventzone at gmail.com. Send it to us, get it on the show. That's all. I will say goodbye. See you next week. Have a good weekend. Go Dolphins. Go Dolphins. Go Dolphins. Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday. I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.